If you've ever wondered if occupational therapy, psychology, special education, and sensory integration tie into your home at all, well, today's episode is all about that. And I have Morgan Blueglass coming on, and she has a background in all of those things. And we're going to talk about how this impacts the home environment. So here we go. You're listening to Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Designing a new home to be your family's sanctuary can feel impossible during the stress of moving. In this podcast, interior designer Jill Kalman shares practical advice, design wisdom, and lifestyle tips for anyone moving to a new home. You'll learn all about the psychology of a well-designed home and how to survive the move and thrive in your new life. Say goodbye to overwhelm and hello to a home you love to come back to every single time. Here's your host, Jill Kalman. I'm going to be launching a digital course, How to Accessorize and Style Your Home in a New York Minute. That's right, I'm bringing it to you because over the last several years, it has been one of the top requested things that I get asked. And it just so happens, it's what I'm really passionate about and what I've always loved to do. I always felt like your home wasn't fully dressed until I brought in that last layer and I loved doing it and I love styling for my photo shoots, and most of the time I bring in all the accessories and get everything styled for a photo shoot, guess what? The client wants to keep it all. Well, I'm gonna show you my secrets, my tips, my tricks. It's gonna be in a really simple video course broken up into modules that are gonna be easy for you to get resources, solutions, and really quick wins at an affordable price, all with direction from me. So. You can have your home looking like those sitting in a magazine or how I set them up for photo shoots really easily. I'm super excited. So you're going to want to get on the wait list because if you're on the wait list, you're going to be the first to know, you're going to be in the know, and you are going to be one of the ones to get the special introductory offer on the course. So to join, you can go to jillcalmaninteriors.com slash course dash waitlist or if you go to my Instagram profile, at Jill Kalman Interiors, you can get the link in bio directly there and sign up for the waitlist. There's no cost, no nothing right now. It's just to get you on the waitlist so you are privy to all the information and the special deals. I really hope to see you there. I'm so excited to bring this to you. Thank you so much. Today I have with me Morgan Blueglass, and Morgan has an educational background in occupational therapy, psychology, and special education. As an occupational therapy practitioner, she learned the importance of sensory integration and helping people best manage their most often used and valued parts of their home. OT is all about problem solving and coming up with adaptations in order to help people accomplish their daily tasks with a greater sense of independence, ease, and enjoyment. And she believes that creating environments that provoke calm and focused mindsets, and she also considers the importance of preferences and needs based on the individual and the household. Over the last year, she started a company called Morganized Design, which brings together her passions of OT, sensory design, and organization. So today, we're going to talk about sensory integration in the home, and we have all kinds of great tips and advice, so come on along and join the conversation. Here we go. Hi, Morgan. Thank you for coming on. I'm so excited to have you here today. Hi, Jill. Thank you for having me. 
Yeah, I'm so glad we connected and I really was inspired to hear what you're doing and really wanted you to come on. I think it's something that a lot of people could really benefit from. So let's start with you just telling a little bit about yourself and what you're doing. Yeah, sure. So I recently started a home organization business. That's the main part of the business. However, I have a background in psychology, special education. And for the past few years, I have done work as an occupational therapy assistant. So I I am very well versed in the special education field. And with that, I have a lot of knowledge of sensory. and, And with that, I go into sensory design. And so I have also a passion for interior design. I've helped family and friends out over the years, organizing their spaces, bringing in some design pieces. And I'm going to get into what sensory design really means, but bringing all of these passions together is really what my new business is about. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. How would you define sensory design or how would you explain it? Okay, well, let me, let me first explain what sensory integration is, just for anyone who may not know. So sensory integration, it's the process by which we receive information through our senses, organizing this information, and then using it to participate in everyday activities. It involves perceiving, modulating, organizing, and interpreting sensations to enhance occupational performance and participation. Got it. Yeah. So well-regulated and appropriately functioning sensory systems, especially in children, contribute to important outcomes of their social, emotional, physical, and motor, communication, self-care, cognitive, and adaptive skills. Right. Yeah. So, you know, with that, let's talk a little bit about how OT, occupational therapy, sensory, and autism, those things, you know, how are they affected by the interior surroundings and interior design? And we can talk a little bit about like, whether it be texture on fabrics, right? Colors, lighting within our surroundings. Let's kind of dive into all those things that have an effect on, you know, someone who experiences these sensory factors. Absolutely. Okay. Well, you know, I want to bring in this quote in an article that I read recently. Looking at a photograph of a beautiful room is a Mm. visual experience, Mm. but entering into a physical space can inspire all the senses. Mm-hmm. Incorporating sensory design can improve health by connecting the body and mind. And it's a fundamental part of wellness in spaces where we live, work, and play. Mm-hmm. So this does impact the autism community, but it really also impacts just everybody. So let me let me dive in then. Yeah, I'm always a big believer, you know, and I've, I've done other episodes about this. It's like the psychology of home, right? And, sure. and color affects our mood, lighting, all that stuff. But let's say you have autism or other sensory it affects you probably even deeper, perhaps, right? Or Yes, absolutely. Well, you know, people on the autism spectrum, they perceive senses differently yeah. than the typically developing person. Yeah. And I can't say that one person with autism is the same as the next person with autism because every single person is different, just as every single person without autism is different. Right. And we each have our own sensory preferences in that way as well. So let me give you a quick example. I want to ask you a question because it's, I think that this is a really cool way to show people what this looks like. Sure. So think about your nighttime routine. Yeah. You have a certain toothpaste that you use every night. Do you buy the same kind every time, whether it's gel or a paste? Is it minty? Is it smooth or gritty? So yeah. think of all the senses that are just now only within brushing your teeth. 
Yeah, that's, and, yeah, that's huge. And sure. And then think about, do you dim the lights in the evening to help your mind calm down before totally. bed? I have to. Right. Well, I have a twin sister and she never had to. And I always had to. So growing yeah. up, I would say, let's turn the lights down dimmer. And she would say, I can't see anything. But I, I personally need to do that. So again, no matter what autism or not, we all have these sensor preferences. So uh, having said that, like if you were working with a client who had autism, then there's no way to say, well, the texture should be X because whether it's soft, scratchy, nubby, whatever, because it could be different for everyone then, right? It's not to say textures and fabrics should be X, lighting should be dim or bright. It's going to depend on the person. Is that kind of what you're saying? Absolutely. Okay. So when I worked as an occupational therapist, something that I would do with my students Mm -hmm. was a sensory profile. And so I would work with the teacher and we would fill out this profile that would essentially allow us to evaluate a child's sensory processing skills and yeah. then how those skills affect the child in the classroom with their behavior and their performance. And there's a, a profile for adults as well. Yeah. And it's really just telling us how to consider the patterns that we're seeing and how those yeah. contribute to creating barriers to a child's performance in daily life. Wow. So that is something that if you were to take that into account for the home, especially right now where a lot of people are at home, I think that's so important. And this, I mean, when I see the word success, I don't just think of it in a career way. I think of how successful are you at falling asleep at night? How successful are you at focusing on homework, you know, when you're home, you know, and you have the Zoom videos going on? How successful are you at sitting in a chair during dinner for the whole meal. (laughs) Yeah. I think that it really matters in so many different ways. Maybe for a child with autism, something that you might want to consider, I'll get into this more because we're going to talk about, I think, kids' spaces, but is maybe like a wobble cushion to sit during meals Mm. to help someone who really has a hard time sitting for a long time. Yeah. I honestly think that designing space, especially for people with autism, it really needs to be very sophisticated from everything from an acoustic standpoint to lighting to the materials that they're surrounded by. But really, it's important to know specifically what's needed for that child. It's customized just like I would customize somebody's house based on their likes and dislikes. It's no different. It's not like a one size fits all. Right. Absolutely. Nope. It's super personalized. Yeah. And so you have to take into account, I'm assuming, paint color with that person. And obviously, with the same you would with anyone else, say, like, what colors soother are you attracted to and what colors are you averse to, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I think it's also important to keep in mind the autism community. I'll say there are tendencies mm-hmm. for sure. And I think that it's probably better to use simple colors you know, then so many different colors, which for one person can be energizing to see hot pink and bright yellow and neons. But to someone with autism, it may be overstimulating. Yeah. So simple colors, simple requests, you know, and I'll tell you, when we're talking about rooms now, you want to get into labeling of drawers for, you know, promoting independence. Yeah. I would say that simpler looking, the better, especially for a kid with autism. Yeah. Very concrete, very simple. Yeah, you had a great tip when we were talking. So we're going to talk next about these kids' spaces like playrooms, bedrooms. I think we should talk about distance learning areas and homework areas because that's happening now. And you had a great tip, which you just started to mention. I'll let you get into further about when you set up these sort of organizational systems, but actually creates independence 
And so let's definitely dive into that a little bit. And you can sort of repeat what you know you had told me when we spoke about a week or so ago. Yeah, absolutely. The big purpose from occupational therapy is to promote independence and functionality. And I think that creating a space that can promote that with yeah. anyone really is so important. But especially now when so many families are home all together, you know, you have parents who are on a work call when the child needs help finding a sock. Yeah. And I think that when you have a space that can be so organized visually as yeah. well, especially yeah. for a child, I think that that makes a huge difference so that the child can then go find the sock or the parent can say, oh, you know what? Go look in the drawer that has the picture and the label that says sock. You'll find it there. So not only does it create organization that's able to be maintained, but it mm -hmm. promotes functional independence for children who really need to learn it at this time. I thought that was a good tip too, because it's not just a written label. You also said to put a picture or an icon, right? So if it's a sock, have a picture of a sock and then the word sock. Yep. And I think that, you know, that's of course age and person appropriate. I think that it could be really cool to get in touch with the teacher of a child. So if they have certain handwriting or if they have certain icons or symbols that they use in the classroom, especially if it's a young child, mm -hmm. to be able to use that same writing in the bedroom so that it all translates and is uniform in that way. Yeah. So that could be a really great way for a child to learn in full. Yeah. Consistency is always good with kids for sure. So then with like the distance learning space, wherever that is in the house, any tips on setting that up to promote and help? Because I know that it's been really challenging for all kids. And then I think with kids with autism, you know, having just all that screen time of learning, it's just been challenging. But when they have work to do, whether it's screen time or homework, any tips for that area to help either with independence or just to make things easier? Right. Well, still, like, you know, getting organized is very important. Even just organizing the markers versus the colored pencils and the mm -hmm. crayons, just alone having that art organization set up, yeah. that can be helpful because otherwise you have pens and pencils that are getting lost. You have scissors that can't be found. Definitely getting organization into that area is very important. Yeah. But also, you know, think about when we start out in school, all of us. Typically, when we have math versus science versus social studies, mm -hmm. we tend to have certain folders and binders that are all one color for each right. topic. Yeah. And right now, the kids who don't have that ability to use that in schools, they still need that. It's mm -hmm. a really important lesson for them to still have that, mm -hmm. even while they're at home, to stay organized. Because it doesn't just help organize them tangibly, but it helps organize their brain. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, all of us could benefit absolutely. from that. Yeah. Yep. I do that as well. I mean, I have a lot of manila folders and although they are the same color, I write the titles on them by different colors, you know, because that helps organize my brain. And I know exactly where to find things much more quickly and efficiently too, when I have things color coded because I'm a very visual person. Yeah. Or they could have math is the yellow folder and reading is the red folder, right? I mean, they can also yes. associate their tasks by color, which is probably a good idea too. Yes. That's exactly what I mean. I don't know why, but I remember always having math the blue, the blue folder, the blue binder, the blue notebook. Yeah. Isn't that and funny? Yeah. You remember. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And you know, I think we're taught that too. I think 
you know, places like Staples and everything. They give us colors for that reason to help us do that for ourselves. Yeah, a visual yep. thing. So playrooms, obviously, I think the same thing just funnels over. It's just so that if a child wants to play with the Legos, they know where they are, right? And it also yep. promotes, I think it also promotes with any child helping to clean up because you can be like, yes. okay, let's pick up the Legos and put them back where they belong. So if yep. there's a bin with, you know, the picture and the the label or whatever, they know, okay, the Legos go here. And I think that promotes independence too, with like a nice task of helping to clean up. Absolutely. Um, well, as well as playing. Up. Absolutely. Cleaning up for a child can be such a daunting task sometimes, but when yeah. it's already set up for them, yeah. all they have to do is pile it in their hands and put it all into the Lego bin. Right. And that's it. You know, and if you want to get really specific, this is just this can be a lot, but depending on how much you want to train your child for organizational skills, you can separate those by colors as well. Right. Now, again, that's the whole other task. But I do think that separating all the toys, it's okay for a child to have lots of toys, but if there's nowhere to put them yeah. in an appropriate spot, then it can just be a lot for the child and the parent. Yeah. It's overwhelming both to play with and then to try to put away and organize. Absolutely. If one of the big eyesores in your house is cords everywhere, and now with all the charging cables to charge all our devices, cords are everywhere, and they look messy. So you're gonna wanna look into coily cables. Coily cables have these wonderful magnetic sections along the cord that you can keep the cord wrapped and tidy. They also come in white. They come with several adapters and in several lengths. So you are gonna wanna get these right away. They make everything look tidy and neat. No more mess, no more tangles. So visit the link we put down in the show notes, coilycables.com. Use code WELCOMEHOME20 and you can save 20% off your order. No more tangles with Coily Cable. You and I also had a conversation about sound in a house and those effects. And I was talking to you about, you know, a lot of times people move into a new home and there's, you know, there's beautiful hardwood floors running up the staircase and around the hallway. And they either really don't want a carpet because they like the beauty of the wood floor or they're torn about it. I'm a big fan of putting the runner up the staircase for sure, because for a couple reasons, it's really easy to slip little kids too running up and down the stairs or adults, unless you're barefoot. And even then you could but if you have socks on, it's a really slippery place. It's really slippery for pets. Most dogs slide down and can really hurt themselves. But the big thing about it is, I found, is that it really helps with sound. So if you think of like the second floor where everybody's bedrooms are, and if kids are running up and down the stairs or running up and down the hall, when it's all hard wood, it's really loud to the average person, let alone anybody maybe with a sensory issue to sound. So once you carpet and there's padding, I can't tell you the dramatic difference. So I find it both for a safety reason and a sound reason. But you had said, you know, yeah, that's really important, not having like big echoing sounds. So I want to talk a little bit about that because also in kids' bedrooms too, with carpeting and other soft surroundings to help with sound. So just wanted your take on sound with sensory and OT. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you specifically discussed the move from a city apartment to a suburban home, which is much bigger. And especially, you know, for a child or a person with autism, again, with or without it, you're right that the sound is going to be different, but especially with autism and the sensations that they can pick up on the auditory in a different way, mm -hmm. the sound will bounce off of the walls and off of the whole entire area much differently when you have a big space. 
I completely agree with you. I think that padded rugs are very important to have in hallways and not only for the sound, but also because typically children with autism need to move often. Not, yeah. not every single one of them, but there are plenty of kids who need to be on the move. Yeah. And so I think that it's also better, almost calming to have something under your feet that feels nice and mushy in the way that certain carpets can, can really feel so nice. I really think that you're spot on about that. One thing we had mentioned was there can be a very dramatic difference going from a small apartment to a bigger home in general, right? And and a bigger home doesn't always get furnished right away. So there's a lot of echo, okay? Yes. And I think there's just a dramatic change in in the sound surrounding from an apartment in a city, right? Or a townhouse or whatever in New York City to coming to double the amount of square footage. So right. I guess the point would be, you know, that could be kind of irritating maybe or daunting, right? To someone with sensory issues. So yep. getting the carpet in, I think would really benefit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's funny what you said about like having something soft under your feet, because that's another benefit I tell my clients is that, you know, when you get up in the morning, and especially we are in the Northeast. So one thing about it is having some warmth under your feet during the cold months. Sure. But but having something soft to land on when you get out of bed, either in the middle of the night or mm -hmm. up in the morning, it makes a difference, like you said, underfoot to feel something soft. And then when you were saying, you know, kids with autism might need to move more, it's going to feel a lot better underfoot than yeah. the hardwood, you know? And there's so, also plenty of kids, you know, with disabilities that find that they need to crash. That's essentially what it typically is called. Their bodies yeah. need to crash in the floor, whether it's going down onto their knees or just because they need that sensory stimulation to help them feel there. Their yeah. bodies need to feel there in space. And so typically you'll crash, whether it's onto a couch or onto the floor. So it's nice to have that padded cushion underneath for times like that. Yeah. And I always like wall-to-wall -wall carpet in kids' bedrooms too, because, or at least if it's an area rug that covers most of the floor, because again, with any kid, they're tumbling, they're jumping off the beds, they're whatever. Sure. It's just, it's a soft place to land and it really helps with noise. Sure. So I just think it's important in general. Any other soft surroundings in their bedroom matter, like whether it's the bedding being a certain texture or whatever, or again, that's a real personal thing depending on the client. Both are true. It yeah. is dependent on the client. You know, from all of my years of just even babysitting, I feel like the kids who could fall asleep faster were the ones who had the coziest pajamas and the coziest sheets. So, and I can't remember the name of the sheet type, the actual texture of it. Jersey, you know, there's that really soft Jersey or the flannel's nice when it gets cooler out, but. Sure. But there was one that I saw that was almost plush. And that, especially for in the winter, just seemed to put the kids right to sleep. And yeah. I know there are pajamas more so like that, that have that plush feeling. Yeah, like a polar um, fleece almost, which yeah, we all love. Like sure. I love polar fleece blankets because they're lightweight, yep. but they're so soft. Yep. Yeah. And throwing some fuzzy socks on, I mean, you go right to sleep. But yeah, I also wanted to mention though, regarding the bedroom, especially regarding kids with autism. However, I, I have seen this kind of bed with a child that I used to babysit for that did not have autism at all. And he had this bed, I think it was called a privacy pod. And it was mm -hmm. the coolest thing ever. It was almost like a tent that goes around a twin size bed mm -hmm. and you can zip it up. And on the inside, sometimes if you, I think certain ones have little stars that you can see on the inside. Oh, that's so cool. Very 
pole and it's it's high. So it doesn't feel like it's right above your head. You do yeah. have some room in there. And yeah. so one, it's giving you the feel of safety almost at night because oh, that's cool. Yep. And two, it blocks out light. And so if you have a lot of light in the bedroom, yeah. then this especially can help a child fall asleep. If it's, it's even early bedtime and it's still light out, this won't matter because you still get the darkness in there. Yeah. So do you recommend two on window treatments like the blackout lining then? A lot of kids' rooms, I mean, especially for infants, usually use blackout lining because you're trying to get their circadian rhythm, right? The whole sleep cycle. Sure. But for kids' rooms in general, a lot of people like blackout lining just so that you know, if it is daylight savings and they're going to bed at an earlier time when it's still light out and then waking up in the morning, not waking up too early. So, but this thing sounds like a cool thing as well. Yep. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah. Let's also talk about, you mentioned you do things with aromatherapy and yoga. So I would love to wrap the show up by talking about those two topics and what you have to say about them. Cause those are really interesting topics. I think for everybody. Sure. Yeah. Recently, I've had the privilege of working on organizing jobs with a few different yoga instructors, coincidentally. So I wanted to talk about aromatherapy with that because there's a tendency, I feel, among yoga instructors specifically that they love the aromatherapy. I've seen essential oil diffusers in each of these homes, and it seems to draw a big influence on mood. Mm. So I just want to talk about that real quick. What is an essential oil? They're extracted from fruits and flowers and plants. They've been used for thousands of years, whether to help with physical ailments, skin care, or just enhancing physical well-being. Mm -hmm. And studies have found that exposure to essential oils lowers blood pressure and heart rate. Interesting. Um, yeah. And I think that the increased use of aromatherapy through essential oils, whether it's diffused in the space or used directly on the skin, yeah, it can influence and improve mood while helping to focus and calm the body and mind. Yeah. Now, of course, you know, people love their candles. I love Bath and Body Works. I get candles all the time. Yeah. But when I'm focusing and I'm doing work or I'm doing yoga, I don't use a candle. I put on my essential oils because there's something about that that's just a natural upgrade from a candle for me. Um, yeah. I think for a lot of people. And when you inhale a scent, it triggers a part of your brain connected to smell, which is called the olfactory system. Mm -hmm. As those scent molecules travel throughout the body to the brain, they affect systems linked to emotions, stress, and memory. So when you think of maybe certain associations, I know, for example, that when I smell lemongrass, I've used that before for a bug repellent over the summer. So for whatever reason, when I put on lemongrass, even in the winter, it makes me feel like summer. Yeah. I love that. And I think that certain scents can do that for people. I think that that's why a lot of people turn to lavender for calming because it's, it's become a wide known scent that helps someone fall asleep or calm down, release anxiety. Yes. Yeah, scents make a big impact on our memory, don't they? Like, you know, mm -hmm. we remember what like our grandmother's perfume smelled like, don't sure. we? And yeah, Absolutely. it's so funny. Yeah. Yep. I mean, even just when I walk into my parents' home and I smell garlic and onion on the stove, and that's all that has to be on the stove. I'm just like, Ooh, what are you guys cooking? It smells so good in here. And it lights me up. Yeah, I grew up in a house that smelled like that mostly too. And so, and then the way I cook now, I use a lot of that. And so it does the whole house. It has this aroma. And now mm -hmm. my kids are like, and I really associate that with Sunday mornings. Cause a lot of times mm -hmm. Sunday morning, like a big Italian sauce was cooking. 
But yeah, it's so funny. Or the smell of chocolate chip cookies, right? Yes. yes. In the so, oven, baking in the oven. That's a scent that we're all like, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so what's cool is that we can actually, you know, we have these associations that happen by chance, but we can actually start creating our own associations. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think it's really cool. And, you know, rather than use the word manipulate, because manipulate almost has a, a negative connotation to it. Yeah. We can influence our own moods. Mm-hmm. by putting on certain scents. So if, for example, you always put you know, a lemon essential oil in the diffuser while you're working on um, writing a book on your yeah, laptop. Or something creative, yeah. Something, yeah. Then every single time maybe that you put that essential oil on to diffuse, you'll be able to more easily swing right back into the focus that you need for that specific task. And yeah. I think that's really cool. That's cool. So you can really use aromatherapy almost like to train your brain a little, like for certain, that's cool. Whether it's to relax, to work, to, yeah, that, I like that. That's really neat. Yeah. And then you practice yoga or? I've practiced it for years. I've been taking a little break recently. Just, I've I've been so busy, which should not be an excuse. I know. (laughs) I have a best friend who is a yoga instructor and I try to do her sessions when I can. But I really do like it. It's been very helpful. It's good for balance. It's good for mindfulness in the brain. And I think mindfulness just even in the home, I think mm-hmm. that when you do one, it translates to other areas of your life. Yeah, and, I love and- yoga. The thing about yoga, it's easy. Like you could do it at home at any time. Even if you do like a 10-minute thing, like some days I don't have a lot of time, but I'm like, if I could just take 10 minutes and do some yoga for 10 minutes, it yeah. does make a difference. And I mean, obviously, if you can do it for longer on days that I can do it longer, that's great. But yeah, I think yoga makes a big difference. And it's just like an easy thing to do anywhere. Like once we're traveling again, you can do it in a hotel room for 10 minutes or 20 minutes. You know what I mean? Even before COVID, I used to do it at home anyway. So you roll out a yoga mat wherever and you're good. I had a lady on yesterday and we were talking about closets and the walk-in closet even has become a place where people like meditate and do yoga. Now that like we're all home, it's like a place to go that's like quiet and isolated from everybody. So we were even talking about how people are even sneaking in there. Um, to do yoga. But yeah, you can pretty much do it anywhere, which is cool. That's great. See, that's our own personal privacy pod. So we each need one. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Especially after this last year, don't we? Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Well, yeah. this conversation has been amazing. I love what you're doing. Morgan, you know, uh, got her business just up and running. So what I'm going to do is close the show. If you have any last advice for anybody or any tips for the audience, let us know. And then I'll close the show with having you let us know the best platforms to find you. It will all be in the show notes. So if you miss when Morgan says it, it's all clickable links that will come up in the show notes. So I'll let you take it away with that, Morgan. Okay. So one last tip that I do want to get in here is that I think, and you reminded me of this when we were talking about yoga, is that our bodies are so important to pay attention to mm. with the way that we move around our home, the way that we sit at a at-home desk. So when you think about ergonomics, and if you don't know what that is, it's all I mean by that is it's biotechnology, essentially. Think mm-hmm. technology for your biology, comfortable mm-hmm. and functional for the way that our bodies operate. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's really important to be mindful about how your body feels after sitting for a long period of time, making sure that you're in a chair or a seat, or at least have a cushion on top of a chair mm-hmm. that allows you to sit for a long period of time without your body cramping up, because that yeah. can have lasting effects that will not be good for you. No, that's such a good point. And I talk to people all the time about design has to do with how we move through a space, you know, because when I talk about furniture planning and stuff, I'm like, you need to think about 
the pattern in which you walk and do your room. But yes, sitting at a desk, is it comfortable? You know, even in a kid's room I was designing yesterday, they wanted to kind of put the desk in this tiny, tiny little nook. And she's really young right now, but I said, that's going to be a super uncomfortable place for her to sit. She's not Mm going to gravitate to there. Let's don't do that. You know? So you want to think about that. I think that's an important tip. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And there's one more thing I just wanted to touch on. Lighting is very important, I think, in the home. And I think, you know, and we've touched on it briefly before, but I think that installing dimmers into lights Mm. can make a huge difference in your home. Yep. I think it can be more or less comfortable for your eyes, especially if you're prone to migraines. Mm. I think it's really important and especially getting more yellow, orange kinds of tones of lights rather Mm -hmm. than that really fluorescent blue light. The warmer light is definitely better on our eyes, I think. Yep. So that's my last tip. So if you want to know further, you can reach me at morganized.design on Instagram. And I also have my regular Instagram up. It's morgblue. And so if you follow me there, you'll be able to see when I launch my website should be coming out with a spring and we can go from there. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I'm just so happy to talk about this. I think it's a really important subject. You have such great knowledge and background in the area and the field. So anybody looking for sensory design, give Morgan a shout out, send her a DM, follow her on Instagram. And again, just so happy to have you here today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Joe. Appreciate it. We will chat soon. Well, I hope you enjoyed that discussion and learned some valuable tips from Morgan. It is really important. You know, I'm a big believer in the psychology of home in general and how the home really impacts us in so many different facets of our life. And talking specifically about OT and sensory integration and autism and other things, you know, realizing that your home environment really plays a part and a piece in all of that. And especially now where, you know, we are home even more, we're in that environment even more. So taking into account all these tips Morgan had, I think is a really great resource. So if this is impacting your life and your family at all, please feel free to reach out to Morgan. Always welcome to DM me. And we always love to continue the conversations. So email, DMs, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, website, etc. And always love receiving your questions on any topic because I love to incorporate your questions and things you want to hear about into this podcast. So always feel free to reach out and I hope you enjoyed that. From my home to yours, I am going to see you here next week. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I really love doing it. And if you're enjoying it as much as I am, please head over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and review. I would love to hear from you and I would love the support on the podcast. I happen to have on my website, if you go to jillcalmaninteriors.com, some great freebies for you. So I have your mini moving guide, and this is all the things you might not think about, some little quick tips to get you settled and on your way to moving to the suburbs. I have a home planner, which is an amazing thing to help you plan out design because interior design sometimes falls at the bottom of the list once you've moved in and then you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed because you haven't planned for it. So the planner helps you do just that. It's in a really easy, simplistic form. It's free to download and it'll help you reach your design goals. I also have a moving organizer. And before you move, you're going to want to get this. This has all the checklists and all the pages you are going to need to 
go through your home search, find the right home, get settled, and get through all those details. And that's available on my website for $29. So head on over. There's lots of freebies and lots of things for you there. Thanks for listening to this episode of Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Head over to jillcalmaninteriors.com to learn more about designing a beautiful new home while minimizing the stress of moving. See you back here next week.